Hello everyone, welcome back to Jazz Talk Northwest. This is the June episode and my name is Max. My name is Josh and today in our lovely studio we've got a very special guest, Cole Schuster. Hello, thanks for having me. Welcome Cole. We're going to be talking about some tunes he has written with the band 200 Trio today. And who plays drums in that band? Well, I wasn't going to announce it really, but I, I guess it's time. Um, I actually play drums in that band, so... Cool. And do you also play bass in that band? I do. Not. Um, The bassist's name is Greg, and he's not here today. But Cole wrote all the songs, so that's why he's here. Nice. All right. So we're going to discuss a few tunes on this record. The record is called Trinity, and again, it's by 200 Trio. And we're going to start off by talking about a song called Loose Ends. And as I mentioned before, Cole actually wrote all of the songs on this record, with the exception of Trinity, and of course that one was written by the trio, and we'll talk about that later, but let's start with Loose Ends. So Cole, what what uh, made this come to you? Why is it called Loose Ends? Uh, well, when I initially wrote it, uh, I came up with that intro vamp that um, rocks back between two sus chords. And it's uh, A flat sus and F sus. And after I finished the tune, uh, I had realized that it sounds an awful lot like Cedar Walton's um, Firm Roots, that intro vamp. Nice. So Firm Roots, Loose Ends. And uh, that's kind of how I got the title. Um, I'm not really clever with this stuff as far as like having a, a purposeful title. So um, honestly, anything that sounds good to me is usually what I'll go with you know cool so for those of us who don't know cedar walton is a a very well-renowned jazz pianist from the past um and i should also mention that this is a fairly new record we didn't mention that before it it just came out and uh, it was also recorded live um okay that's that's cool cool what are your thoughts josh uh well let's give this a listen so people know what we're talking about all right
All right, what a great track. I really enjoy that, Cole. Um, I really like the feel changes that you have in the tune. Uh, you want to tell me a little bit about that, how you came up with that, and um, yeah. you, what you were thinking about when you wrote it? Totally. Um, I usually have like a specific thing in mind that I want to employ when I'm composing a piece. Like I try to set like a limitation for myself. And for this one, um, I wanted to compose a piece that had um, two different time signatures in it. Cool. And um, that figure uh, came to me kind of in my head. It was just like in my head, you know, the but that was like running through my head. So I laid that down and then I wrote a melody for that part. And then I wanted to go into like 4-4, into like swing. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically whenever I'm composing something, I have like a, I try to set some sort of boundary for myself. Cool. So I was just trying to figure out how can I go from like this six, four figure to this four, four figure and, um, kind of make it sound seamless or as much as possible. Um, so you don't really notice like you wouldn't, I think if you're listening to it for the first time, you wouldn't really notice that that first part is in a different time signature. Mm -hmm. Um, at least that was my intention. Yeah. Pulled it off. Cool. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned lay it down. What did, what did you mean by that? Do you, do you write it down or do you have recording software that you're working with? How, what does your writing process look like? Uh, you know, a lot of it is like, I'll just be at the instrument and something will come to me when I'm practicing or just playing. And then I go to Sibelius and just try to notate it, but Mm -hmm. always at my instrument first, like I don't compose in Sibelius cool because I feel like that just takes a hold too much for me like mm-hmm. it's so easy to delete or manipulate things way too much so I always make sure that like I'm at the instrument first before um composing or like before notating into Sibelius you know what I mean mm-hmm. um because I feel like the music comes out a lot better that way and it's it sounds a little more human you know and how do you usually go about commun- I guess Max can answer this too how do you usually go about communicating your ideas for for your piece after you've written to the rest of the band well I try to I try to make my charts as clean and clear as possible mm-hmm. and sometimes that doesn't always work so there's a fair amount of like um, talking it over before we play it and then we you know it's a lot of stop and starting when there's like more complex tunes like this one sure like remember we took a we took a you know, while just to get this one. Yeah, we practiced this for a little while. Yeah, just to get it you know sounding the way I was hearing it. But what's so great about working with Max and Greg is that they um, they really like enrich whatever I do more than I could ever imagine. Nice. So like I'll compose the tunes, but when we're arranging, it is very much always a collective process, you know. And they have input, and it's always extremely valuable to me, and it informs what I write after, you know. Like the next piece of music I write is, you know, informed by their, uh, remarks and feedback. For sure. Yeah. Do you usually try to write out specific parts for them for different tunes or, um, it's a little bit of both. Like I, some of the songs on the records are just lead sheets, mm-hmm. but some of them I'll write in, uh, like piano staff. Yep. So I'll have like a bass part or like mm-hmm. a bass line. Um, cause sometimes like there'd be hits or a specific bass line that I want them to play. So sure. For me, I found it's easier if I have like a, a melody line and then like basically like the bass uh, staff is like the the rhythm section. That's what, that That's what they would be reading, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so you would write maybe one part and both Greg and Max would read off of that. Yeah. And figure something much. out. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. Um, so 
having a little bit of knowledge about this band since I planned it. This is one of two tunes on the record that are kind of a little bit of a departure from the sound we've usually gone for. Um, and you use some effects on the guitar over kind of an open vamp yeah. for a solo, which is really cool. At least I think so. And uh, I was wondering what your path has been with exploring different effects and making a sound with them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's really recent for me, honestly. Like, I never grew up using a lot of pedals. And um, when I did, it was just like an overdrive or something like that. But, um, you know, like, I would never have ever thought to do something like that on our first record because it just never, it never called for that. Right. So with this record of my own compositions, there's a little more room and um, it's a little more contemporary in, in my mind. So um, like getting to employ effects for me is just like you create like this soundscape and um, with with guitar, it's so great because you can create a lot of different colors and textures where it's like, oh man, that kind of sounds like a piano now or kind of sounds like a saxophone. But um, with this one specifically, like using the uh, delay and stuff like that. It just creates uh, more colors and more sound beyond than like a guitar just through an amp. So who who would you recommend people listen to if they want to kind of hear what other others have done with effects, either on a guitar or even other instruments? Sure. Uh, I mean, in the guitar world, like I always think of like Kurt Rosenwinkel being like the the oh, king yeah. of like guitar <laughs> effects. I mean, he's got he's got like two pedal boards, you know. And he uses them all really well. And um, he's always first in mind for, like, guitar effects. But it's never, like, not serving the music. And it's never, like... Agreed. Never, like, masking his incredible guitar playing. You know, it's just in service of that always, which is what I'm trying to do, too. I think you do a pretty good job. Thank you. Cool. Uh, Max, you got a pretty extended drum solo on this one, right? You do, yeah. Cool. Yeah, tell me about tell me about it. I really liked it. Sure. Well, that's also kind of a departure from what we've done in the past, and mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what that actually means um, as a whole later. But basically, uh, soloing over a vamp, and um, for those who don't know what a vamp is, it's it's an extended, kind of open ended section that just kind of repeats the same thing for a while. Um, <clears throat> and so normally, what I would do at least in this band, is I would solo over a form, which is basically usually the melody without the melody. So the chord changes keep going, and you kind of follow the form of the song. Um, so when you're soloing over a vamp, especially uh, as a drummer, where there there's no defined start and stop of, you know, of anything, really, um, you kind of have to think a little bit differently about what you play. And so I'm still trying to think melodically, um, but it's a lot more freeing, and so I'll, I'll, I'll try and mess with the rhythm that is being repeated, or, or whatever happens to be repeated, um, and try and work that into something new, and then try and tell a story with uh, whatever I'm feeling in the moment, basically, in relation to what's being played over and over. And then I try and wind that down with a definitive statement, and then bring the song back in. Cool. Do you give any sort of visual cue, or you just kind of hope that everybody else will pick up on it as you take um, it down to the landing? Um, so oftentimes, I'll do a visual cue. Yeah, we'll, we'll look yeah, at each other. Think, yeah, we we operate a lot with visual yeah. cues, not just with solos, but yeah, 
with everything. I think it's imperative, especially in a trio setting. You know, you so, have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, in in certain songs, if you're soloing over a vamp, you can quote a piece of the melody or something, and that'll be what brings the band back in. But I think in this case, it's it's usually visual contact. Yeah, and um, I love the I love Max's solo on this and his intro. And when we play it live, um, Max has been particularly great at like um imposing like almost like different um time signatures and feels over that vamp to really like kind of turn it on its head a little bit and i think that's really really interesting and it's really exciting to be playing along with that and like um i get inspired a lot by a drummer named ari honig who's particularly good at doing that kind of thing also i Mm. should mention um there's actually no drum intro on the record on this song uh we we cut that out but normally when we play it live there is a drum intro yeah 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 in case you were confused <laughs> <laughs> okay cool yeah this is a great track uh let's see what else we have on the list i think uh summer lullaby is up next so let's give that one a listen
All right, that was Summer Lullaby by Cole Schuster. What a lovely tune. Thank you. It's very lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know how to describe it. That's honestly Uh, when people talk to me about that song, that's pretty much what they say is, oh, that was so lovely. mm, It's really, really pretty. Thank Um, you. I like like its feel a lot. It's very relaxing and just chill. Thank you. Why Summer Lullaby? What were you thinking about here? Uh... When I initially wrote it, I actually had titled it um, One of Those Nights was the original title. Mm. And what it was was basically like trying to evoke the feeling of like if you've ever like had a night um, with your friends when you were younger in your high school or middle school or something where you just kind of like stay it all night or get into trouble or like, you know, take your parents car or like, um, you know. (laughs) mess around or just like something memorable you know like something that you would remember like for the rest of your life you know like a time with your friends so it's kind of like trying to evoke that feeling so that's why i initially called it one of those nights and then when i played it more and more i just had like this lullaby kind of feeling to it and i think it's very apparent so summer lullaby ended up becoming the title nice yeah i like how this i mean you mentioned earlier that you don't usually write songs with like a specific meaning in mind right. although it sounds like this one is was written with a, a thing in mind yeah and i'm trying now moving forward to always have something in mind or something to write for and i think that serves yes. the music better <laughs> <laughs> i agree because like things can be so like music can oftentimes be like especially instrumental jazz can be so disconnected from like anything relatable you know mm-hmm. and um so now moving forward, like I'm trying to write more like this cool. and it doesn't always have to be pretty, but, um, yeah. Yeah. This one's, yeah, this one's just gorgeous. I really like the melody a lot. Thank you. And Greg played a great solo on this. That was really, yeah, he sure did. really cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and, and you did as well. Thank you. Um, how, for when you, when you guys are arranging together, um, how did you decide who's taking solos when and like what, what made you say? Okay, Greg gets the first solo on this one. We knew from the first time we played it, like, Greg had the solo yeah. on this one. He's not, I don't think he takes very many other solos on the record. So this was, like, uh, in a way, like, one of his features. And yeah. um, kind of panders to that frequency range, too. Yeah. Like, it, it makes you want to hear a bass solo. Right. The song's in G, and it's a, <clears throat> it's a gorgeous key for both guitar and bass. So you can kind of play, like, all the sweet spots of, the, of both instruments in that key. So I think like the first time we heard it, Greg just, or the first time we rehearsed it, Greg just started soloing nice. right away before, and we all knew like, okay, this is like the right thing, you know? Yep. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So I remember hearing from you, Max, that this is actually a record that was recorded live, right? It was recorded live. Yeah. Cool. Tell me a little bit about that. So it was recorded January 5th of this year, 2018. Uh, at a place called Egan's Ballard Jam House in Ballard, hence Ballard Jam House. And um, we did two sets where we played the album back-to-back twice. Um, And basically we just picked our favorite takes from either set and went with those, and that became the record. Nice. Was that the plan all along when you started? That when you were thinking about doing a record that you wanted to do a live one? We, yeah, kind of. We kind of had a cup. We had like two options. Like I remember, like when we first decided to do it, like we thought like 
we'd actually just play the first set of just like standards mm-hmm. and get like warmed up and just kind of like oh, yeah. play like some of our arrangements of tunes um, by other composers. And then the second set would be like the live recording. And then we decided, you know, like if we're going to do a live record, it might be best to kind of have two shots at it. For sure. <laughs> but um, I think we actually took a, a fair amount of the takes from the first yeah, set. Yeah, most of them are from the first set. Which hmm. is, I think, I'm really proud of that. You know, like... Yeah, that's cool. It was cool to have that second chance, but, like, I think the energy was just super right uh, in that first set. And that was another reason that we wanted to do a live record, is because when you're playing live, there's a certain energy in the room that just kind of forces you to stay focused on the music and, you know, just play kind of honestly. Yeah, definitely. But I imagine there's also probably a lot of pressure knowing knowing that you're recording and you only get two shots. Yeah, but it's also more relaxed than playing in a studio in a lot of ways. Because in the studio, the only people listening are the mics and the engineer, basically. And it's, in some ways, a lot more intimidating when when you know it's like being meticulously recorded. Yeah, it can just feel more cold, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this record has a lot more energy and dynamics because we were playing to a room and like there's always like i mean for me personally i can't speak for the other guys but there's always like nerves involved when playing live for just sure. even a little bit but it's always like good nerves you know like i feel like that yeah. mm-hmm. that helps me honestly you know it's like okay well i better play well you know unless you're not rehearsed yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, it's, then it's not good nerves <laughs> yeah then you're just like you know but thankfully we rehearsed actually for pretty much like an entire week before this record yeah yeah, so we got a good amount of rehearsal in, and actually, uh, specifically with Summer Lullaby, we had, um, I think this might have been the second take of this one, actually, um, but we were definitely trying some different things with the feel, at least on my part, yeah. in terms of tempo and how to how to feel. I think the take we ended up going with was definitely the more laid back of the two, mm. um, and I think that helps evoke the nostalgic presence that I associate with this song at least. Yeah, absolutely. I remember we, yeah, we tried a bunch of different feels I mean, we tried it like almost just like a jazz waltz mm-hmm. brushes and sticks. And then we kind of settled in this thing that just felt very natural and very inviting and familiar. <clears throat> and I think the, the listeners will probably, um, you know, pick up on that. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, a question: mm-hmm. There's you've got all originals on this record. Uh, did you write these tunes for this record specifically, or is this something that's just been a body of work that you've collected over time? <laughs> Some of them, like a lot of these, were ideas that I just been kind of sitting on. And I moved to Seattle uh, almost four, year, four years ago, and they were all of them were written after I'd moved here. Mm-hmm. Some of them I wrote really close to the record date where I was like, I need to, I need to finish this album. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, there was a couple that was written for the record, but, um, there was like a few, uh, including the first track off the record, stay at home cowboy that we've been playing for a couple years before. Cool. And we're like, yeah, it's got to go on the record. So nice. And just out of curiosity, were there ones that you tried to write for the record, but you just couldn't and didn't like and had to move on and no i don't think so i i remember feeling very focused 
There was uh, one tune that I wrote that we didn't do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there was one that, like, we, yeah, it was like, there was one tune that we tried and it just didn't come together. Like, there wasn't. Definitely my fault. No, I don't, I don't think so. But there just wasn't it's a. part of the writing process, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a strong enough idea and I didn't, it just kind of sounded like we were jamming, you know, mm-hmm. as the other ones that I wrote closer to the date felt very focused. And I knew exactly what I wanted and I actually wrote them pretty quickly. Um, nice. and, we, and we arranged them just as fast. I think that's cool. Yeah. You, do you usually take, have to take a couple of passes when you're writing or is it just a sit yeah, down, a, it, you knock something out and that's it. It's all over the place, but I yeah. think my best music or my best compositions are the ones that I've sat down with some bug in my ear and I just get it done then. Yeah. And there's always going to be some revisions, you know, like, well, I think I like this more melodically or harmonically. Mm-hmm. But I think my strongest compositions are ones that I always sit down and I can finish it in one sitting. And yeah. I feel the best about those. That's cool. Because like sometimes I'll just sit on ideas and try to rework them over and over again. And I'm like, this is this is becoming so convoluted at this point that yeah. I don't think there's even a song anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this is a great song. Let's thank you. Give the next one a listen. Uh, this next one is Trinity. Thank you. 
Trinity. This one's really fast. I like it. <laughs> uh, Max, I think you were the one who was telling me. Maybe it was Cole. I don't remember. But this was the one track on the record that was not solely written by Cole. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. Yep. Cool. How exactly does that work? Well, <laughs> uh, if I may, um, yeah. this is one of the songs that that was probably the most recently written before the record. I think we actually composed it the week of during our rehearsals. Oh, yeah, man. So. so we were like, we were kind of down a tune and we had another tune that didn't work out. So we're like, you know, we don't have a blues on the, on the record. Let's, let's try to think of a blues. And I remember Max was playing this figure on the drums, but didn't da da da, but didn't da da da. And then I kind of composed the notes to it. And, um, that was like the structure of it. And then Greg had came in because we actually, Max and I started the tune after Greg had left uh, one of the rehearsals for the day. Hmm. Oh yeah. And then, um, we came back and we finished it. I think Greg wrote the bridge, which is kind of cool. You know, having, having a blues with a bridge is a yeah. little, little outside of the box, not outside of the box, but you know, different, different. Yeah. <clears throat> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. why was Max just sitting there noodling and coming up with something? Was it, was, was the intention to, put this into a blues yeah yeah we were like we need to we need to write something boy <laughs> <laughs> i think i was also slightly annoyed that my other tune didn't work out so i was like i'm gonna think of something melodic to play on the drums it seems like it really worked out well yeah it's pretty simple but it yeah, sounds cool but it's it's fun i like this one thanks thanks cool uh let's see Um, Cole, when you write, you mentioned you usually write on guitar, right? Is there? Do you yeah. ever write at the piano, or is that? I know a lot of instrumentalists will sometimes reach I for that. I have, um, I have written at the piano before, and um, but I mostly write at the guitar, and sometimes mm-hmm. away from any instrument, if I feel like I have something in my ear that I feel really strongly about. Hmm. Sometimes I don't need the instrument; like I can just kind of put it down. Cool. And then I want to go to pick up my guitar. I'm like, hey, that that feels pretty good. Or like, you know. And when you write it down, how closely does it uh, match what you hear in your head? <laughs> uh, usually pretty closely, but like, you know, like you're kind of like playing like a game of telephone with yourself, you know. For sure. So like, you have something in your head, and you write it down, and then you you know keep writing, and then you try to think about it. And you're like, wait, is that is that what I'm hearing? But usually pretty close. That's cool. Yeah, what about you, Max? When you're when you're writing, is that usually at the piano as well, or? Yes, definitely the piano. I'm horrible at guitar and most stringed instruments. <laughs> and I imagine you're probably not writing melodies on drums. Well, I guess the piano is a stringed instrument too. Um, I actually do write songs on drums sometimes. Melodies? Yeah. Well, for Trinity, well, it, yeah. It, it comes up with like the. I mean, I guess most drummers don't think of the drums as a melodic instrument, but it it can be. At least you can kind of get the shapes of, of melodies together. Um, like when I'm soloing, I, I usually actually hear like a melody with notes in my head. Hmm. But I mean, obviously it doesn't directly translate to the drum set. But you can kind of, you can get kind of close. After playing with you a lot, I pick up on that and I can tell that you're thinking melodically. And even when we just talked about music and you've talked about playing drums, you always refer to it as like a set of pitches and i think that's fascinating because i think that's vastly overlooked yeah uh, i never thought about that have you ever tried singing back what do you think max heard when he plays something 
No. I, think, I, think, I think Cole actually does a really good job of picking up on the melodies that I, I'm kind of playing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the three of you operate as a trio really well um, yeah. on this record, as as well as when I've seen you live in um, at other venues. And Greg does as well, actually. Yeah, for I sure. Think we've just logged so much time in the past five years that we've been playing together that it's just like, um, you know, it's, it really feels like a group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is this? Do you um, talk about it explicitly or work on it ex- explicitly as a thing that you work on together, or is it just something that you feel has developed pretty naturally over time, having spent that much time together? We have, we have worked on it, and um, we have a few little vocab things. That... Yeah, like we have some like <laughs> vocab stuff. But like, I remember like when we first started to get together, we 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 got down to like the really like nitty gritty, like nitpicky stuff hmm. when playing with a trio, and that goes to like rhythm and like the sound that we want and like um now i feel like it's just like we kind of play and like you know i i think it's a little more uh there's a little more freedom there but like for sure when we first started playing and and like rehearsing as a band Mm -hmm. like there was a lot of time spent like um deciding exactly what we want to play and what that wants to sound like and like with this trio and rehearse like with my songs or just arrangements like we exhaust every single possible option cool that's kind of how we do it and then we pick what we like best yeah i I love that process so when you bring a tune in you're going through a bunch of different arrangement options before you decide on something there'll be nights where we just like there'll be a new tune in the works and nicole will just be like yo let's play this tune and and greg won't even be there it'll just be like me and cole and Mm -hmm. uh we'll just play the same tune a bunch of different ways and and try things out with it yeah i yeah I love doing that and like to me that's really exciting and it really kind of opens up like the left side of my brain and I feel like yeah. that's when I'm my most creative. That's cool. Do the two of you ever have strong disagreements on which which yes. direction to take? It? Yes. <laughs> How does that go? Does the person who writes it get to win? No, I mean we always are just like what is going to serve the music best and like it's not just Max and I disagreeing on stuff, but it's like any combination of the three of us, you know, For it's sure. like that's just how it is, you know. Yeah. And um you have to you, you can't be stubborn, you know. You can be a little bit stubborn. Yeah, okay, like, if, if you know, if, if it's like, <laughs> I wrote the tunes and I, I know exactly how it wants to sound and that's just how the song is played, right. period, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But, like, you uh, you have to be open to, like, other suggestions sometimes. For sure. Um, yeah. I wasn't saying you specifically. I was just saying you as a <laughs> general statement. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming in and hanging out with us, Cole. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Uh, you've been listening to 200 Trio, and this is their latest record called Trinity. You can find it at their website, 200trio.com, available only on their website. That is correct. Yeah. So, uh, Cole, tell me about uh, where listeners can come check out your music next. Sure. Um, I play every Tuesday at El Bistro down in Pike Place Market. Uh, we play Nine to Midnight with saxophonist Jacob Zimmerman and Matt Weiner. And that's a fun trio um, because we play a lot of music from like the swing era as well as some early bebop stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great sounding room. So I highly recommend people come by. Um, nice. There's a lot of parking there, actually. There's like, you know, a misconception about the market. <laughs> it's like at that hour, it's really easy to park there. So For sure. Yeah. How about you, Max? Well, as the trio, we have a date coming up at Vito's on... June 21st. That's down on First Hill. And we also are playing several gigs with vocalist Jacqueline Tabor 
coming up, since we have a record coming out with her pretty soon as well. Uh, those dates are June 5th. We're doing a live broadcast on 88.5 KNKX. And then we're also playing June 8th and 15th with her. And if you Google Jacqueline Tabor, you can find out more about that. Sounds great. Um, that about wraps it up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.